0: Woo, hallelujah. Mm. I'm kind of like Peter and James and John on that Mount of Transfiguration. Peter said, it's good to be here. I think it's good to be here this morning. Anybody agree with that? Are you glad you're here in the house of the Lord today? Hallelujah. Open your Bibles today with me to the Gospel of John, the Gospel of St. John. Not the epistle of 1 John, but the gospel of John. Amen. Good to see you all this morning. God bless you. Good to have you. Praise God. Been missing you guys. Gospel of John, chapter number one. Gospel of John, chapter number one. Before I read the text this morning, let's pray. Let's ask God to have His way in this part of the service. Thank you, worship team. They did an awesome job today. Appreciate it appreciate so much our music and singing today, our singers, musicians. Thank you for a great job. But let's pray and ask God's blessing upon this uh, message today and upon this part of the service. Father, we come to you today so thankful for the presence of the Lord that is in this house this morning. Thank you for the songs that have been sung, the worship that has already gone forth. We have lifted up your name. You have spoken to us today through the gifts of the Spirit to admonish us, Lord, to exalt the name of your Son, Jesus, because that's what it's all about. And Lord, today as we get into the Word of God, I'm asking for the anointing of the Holy Spirit for your help. I pray that you would help each one here to be attentive to your Word, not to be just mere hearers of the Word, but let us apply this Word, this message to our hearts and to our lives, and that we would be doers of the Word. For it's only the doers and the obedient doers of the Word that are blessed in their deeds, you said in your word. So Lord, may your spirit rest upon this congregation, and we just pray for freedom and, um, um, and, and liberty as we minister the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. And everybody said amen, amen and amen. John chapter 1, and I'm going to begin reading with verse number 1. And it says this, In the beginning, that's a good place to start, Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, or the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him, notice this, all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light. Notice verse 9. The true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. That's sadly the case today as well. He came to his own in his own did not receive Him, but as many as received Him. I love this 12th verse. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh. Notice this. And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I want to use for my subject this morning, Christmas is God's idea. Christmas is God's idea. How many believe that? Someone said Christmas began uh, with Constantine, what, in the second century or whatever. No, Christmas had its beginning long before Constantine. Christmas was God's idea. We're living in a time when the uh, Christmas Grinches are working overtime today, amen. The Grinches, uh, there are Grinches, may not be the one that Dr. Seuss wrote about, but there are Christmas Grinches today that are busy and that are always at work doing everything that they can to try to take Christ out of Christmas, to remove Christ from this season of the year. The liberal agenda today, the ACLU, the uh, politically correct police are out in force to do what they can to try to prohibit us from leaving Christ in Christmas and celebrating this time of the year and this season for what it's supposed to be. Those, there are those today in the world that are trying to tell us in, in this nation, in this country that Um, You know, we're not allowed or they don't want to be allowed any nativity scenes in public places because it may be offensive to some people. And we're just supposed to please everybody today, you know. Everybody gets offended over the least little things. There are those who want any Christmas carols that have a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ to be removed from the schools and the school music programs. And I think for the most part that's probably been done There probably aren't too many school districts that do sing traditional Christmas songs that talk about Christ. Maybe some do, but the majority of them do not. But can I tell you something today that those Christmas songs that I know, the Christmas carols such as Away in a Manger and Hark the Herald Angels Sing and uh, We Three Kings of Orient Are and Joy to the World and those Christmas songs, do you know where I learned those songs? My mom didn't teach them to me, but uh, I learned those songs in the public school system in Cape Girardeau, Missouri when I was a kid growing up. And it's a shame that our kids can't hear those same songs in a public setting and public school setting today. I think I've got a couple of, couple of hand claps there, but that's true. Because that's what Christmas is all about. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, many communities today have replaced the word Christmas with the word holiday. You know, we we, we don't want to call it a Christmas parade or a Christmas vacation or break. We don't want to call it a Christmas tree, but let's call it a holiday tree. Let's call it a holiday parade or a holiday break. And many of the store employees, you know, have been, been even, you know, reprimanded by their employers and, and told to greet their customers, not with a Merry Christmas, but with a Happy Holidays. Boy, every time, you know, I, you know how much I, y'all know how much I love shopping, and, and, um, but every time that I am greeted that way, I always come right back and tell them, it's Merry Christmas, it's Merry Christmas. Praise God, you agree with me today? And I I just thank the Lord, though, that, you know, in the last three years... Um, you know and I, here I am going to be non-politically correct again but um, in the last three years our current president has has went a long ways in reinstituting the, the, the greeting of Merry Christmas and Christmas tree and the true meaning of what Christmas is all about that it is about the Lord Jesus Christ amen and I thank God for that I thank God for that but the truth is that you know and I know, we know that we can't. you can't take Christ out of Christmas. As much as they may try to do that, they cannot take Christ out of Christmas because taking Christ out of Christmas is like trying to take heat out of fire, trying to take the wet out of water, trying to take oxygen out of air, trying to take notes out of music. You just cannot take Christ out of Christmas. Amen but there are many that, that this time of year that do that very thing or they actually leave Christ out of Christmas. There's so many people that, um, that are kind of like the inn where Jesus, where Mary and, where Mary and, and, and Joseph went to stay there in Bethlehem and the Bible says that there was no room for them in the inn. And there's a lot of people today uh, in this in this nation and a lot of a lot of folks that that don't find time for Jesus I mean there's just time for everything else in their Christmas celebration there's time for shopping and there's time for decorating and there's time for buying gifts and all of these things but they just don't have time for Jesus so many are entering into the party mode today and Christmas is just like a time of, of partying all the time they just want to drink and party and do all of that and uh, so Christ is removed and there's no room for Jesus and anytime that you take Jesus out of anything you've got an empty life when you take a Jesus out of Christmas it's just an empty holiday it's just another day but uh, it's not another day it's not another day uh, Christmas is the idea of God it's the idea of the Lord amen So um, when you study the Gospels, the four Gospels, when you get to the Gospel of John, there's something about the gospel of John that you notice and that, that that is that there is nothing in John's gospel about the birth of Jesus. I don't know if you've ever noticed that or not. But there's nothing in John's gospel about the birth of Jesus. There's nothing in the gospel of John about the manger. There's nothing about the angels or the shepherds or the wise men or Bethlehem. There's nothing uh, in his gospel about that. When Matthew and Luke tell about the birth of Jesus, they begin in time. But when John tells about the birth of Jesus, John begins in eternity. John assumed the reality. When he was writing this gospel, under the influence, of course, and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, John assumed the reality of the manger, but he wants us to to understand the revelation of the manger. And I think that's what we need to be reminded of and what we as believers need to understand today. And we need to have a revelation of the birth of Christ and a revelation of the manger and what happened there. And so John chapter 1, the text that we've read this morning, gives us the presentation of Christmas from heaven's side. It gives us the story of Christmas from heaven's point of view because Christmas was an idea that was born in the heart of God from all eternity. And the story of Christmas was played out on earth, but it was a story that, was, that began and was scripted in heaven. And so the Bible says here, and John says that in verse 1, chapter 1 and verse 1, he says, "...in the beginning..." Was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was. God, I love that. That verse is, is uh, uh, of course, my cross-reference. The first cross-reference in my Bible goes directly to Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Amen. And so here, John takes us back to the beginning. And uh, he tells us in these verses who the Lord Jesus is. And what John reveals to us here and what John tells us here in this passage is that Jesus Christ is the living Word of God. He is the living word. Now this this Bible that I hold in my hand today is the written word of God. How many of you agree with that? Of course it is alive and it is powerful and it is sharper, the Bible said, than any two-edged sword. But this Bible is the written word and Jesus is the living word. In the book of Revelation when John sees the return of Jesus riding on that white horse with the armies of heaven, he refers to the fact, he said he has a vesture dipped in blood and uh, on his thighs the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he says that his name is the Word of God. So Jesus is the living Word. Now when we think about Jesus as the Word, you think about words, what are words? Words are and the, the Greek word is the the, the word logos which means communications words that are spoken and so a word as we know words words are vehicles of communication I'm using words this morning to communicate to you I can't communicate with just thoughts I have to put my thoughts and my desires into speech and into words now I think we all understand that today amen but with words words, we use them to communicate our thoughts and our desires and our hearts to other people. So when the Bible refers to Jesus here as in the beginning was the word of him being the word, the living word, uh, it refers to the fact that when Jesus Christ was born, that God was spelling himself out in the language, a language that the world can understand. God sent his son Jesus to this world to reveal himself to the world. And Jesus is the language of heaven. That's one thing I want you to get this morning, that Jesus Christ is the language of heaven. Words, of course, we know are made up of letters, and Jesus referred to him himself and said that he was the alpha, which is the first letter in the Greek alphabet, and the omega, which is the last letter in the Greek alphabet. He's the beginning and the end. We would say it with our alphabet, we would say that he's the A and he's the Z and he's everything in between. Come on, somebody. See, Jesus, Jesus is the reason for Christmas and Christmas means that Jesus came to this earth as heaven's language. Jesus came to this earth as God's word to man. He said here, John said that in the beginning was the word. When well, This shows us something something? something about the Lord Jesus, and that is the fact that, that Jesus was in the beginning with God from the very beginning since the beginning of eternity, before time ever began. The other gospels began in Bethlehem, but John goes back farther than the manger and farther than Bethlehem and he goes past the birth in the manger and he goes past the Old Testament prophets and he goes past the patriarchs and he goes past Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and he even goes past the creation of the universe and the heavens and the earth and John goes back to eternity itself. The Lord Jesus Christ, he lets us know that the Lord Jesus Jesus Christ existed with God from the very beginning and he tells us here and these verses reveal to us the pre-existent Christ that in the beginning Jesus was and that he is and that he ever shall be the eternal one can I get an amen somebody oh hallelujah Hallelujah. Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 9 and 6, 750 years before Jesus was born. Isaiah gave a word from the Lord of prophecy and said, for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. Now, you can't give something that doesn't exist. So we know from that prophecy that before creation, Jesus existed. He did not come into existence in the manger in Bethlehem. He he existed with God and as God from the very beginning. I don't know, you know, you may ask the question, you can ask the question, how old is this earth? And there's a great debate about the age of the earth. We don't know for sure. Some say the earth is billions of years old. Some say that it's millions of years old. Some say that it's only a few thousand years old. And I don't know that anybody knows for sure, but it doesn't make any difference how old the earth is. Jesus Christ existed before this earth was ever, created he was the one who created this planet himself can I get an amen hallelujah he was in the beginning with God so he did not have his beginning in a manger he was God and with God from the very beginning amen oh hallelujah now the Bible says there that the word was with God And the Word was God. Now, that's very important because in that verse of Scripture, we see that Jesus is an equal part of the Godhead, that He is a part of the Holy Trinity. Now, we are... Trinitarians here at Abundant Life Family Church, and uh, we believe that the Bible teaches that the Godhead is a trinity in unity, and uh, that there is one God. We believe in one God existing in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Is everybody with me? We need to be on the same page here. Some folks came in a few, I don't know, several months ago, came in and had a seat in the sanctuary before the service started. And, of course, I was going around shaking hands. And they were sitting there, and I shook hands with them, and they said, hey, is this an apostolic church? And I said, well, uh, we believe in the doctrine of the apostles that they taught in the New Testament. So in that regard, we are apostolic, but I knew what they were getting at. And I said, but we are a Trinitarian church in belief. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, that we are a, a, uh, we are Trinitarian, that the Godhead, there's three in one in the Godhead. And they said, well, well, we'll, you know, so I explained it to them, they didn't say anything. They said, well, we'll stay around here and, uh, for a little while. We're here a little early and I went to my office and came back out, they was gone. Well, I'm not going to back up on that because that's what the Bible teaches. I think Brother Jim's Sunday school lesson today dealt with the Trinity as well. It's one of the foundational doctrines of the Word of God and one of the foundational doctrines of our church and what we believe, amen? Hallelujah. Do you realize, and and Jim probably brought this out in Sunday school, but do you realize that, that every cult Every cult denies the Trinity. The Jehovah Witnesses deny the Trinity. Mormonism denies the Trinity. Are you with me? Islam denies the Trinity. So you you put yourself in the category. We do not deny the Trinity, amen. Somebody said, well, I don't understand the Trinity. Well, you know what, he didn't didn't tell us we had to understand it, he just said, you need to believe it because that's the way it is. I don't understand how a black cow can eat green grass and give white milk and make yellow butter and have brown calves, but I still believe that it's so. Amen? I still know, I don't understand, one times one times one is one. And I still do know that nature, in nature there is time and space and matter, and in time there is past and present and future, and I know that in the Godhead there is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think we need to sing the doxology one of these days. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Flow praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above, you heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. <laughs> praise God. No, we don't understand it, but we believe it because it's Bible. One little girl explained the Trinity this way. She said, three and one and one in three and the one in the middle died for me. <laughs> Praise God. That's what I believe today. Come on, somebody. The word was with God. So He had to be separate from God to be with God. So he was with God and he was God, the scripture says. So Jesus is God's image in the Trinity, but He is also God's image in divinity. Because it says that the Word was God. Here again is another place where your cults will deviate. When it comes to believing that Jesus Christ is deity, He is God, He is divine. There's something remarkable and unique about Jesus Christ. And we understand it, especially at this time of year when we're talking about His birth, but Jesus is the God-man. There's a theological term called the hypostatic union that refers to Jesus, Jesus God coming and being incarnate in a human body and taking upon Himself the Bible talks about him being made in the likeness of sinful flesh. That Jesus became a man and I know I've heard some people say that he was part man and part god, but that's erroneous, that's not true. Jesus never Jesus never gave up or lost his divinity when he became man. He was 100% total God, and 100% total man. He was not a a half God and half man. He was all God and all man. He was the God man. And he came to make the invisible God visible to us. He came. This is the purpose of Christmas. This is why he came. This is why he was made flesh. He came to reveal the Father God to us. So if you want to know about the Father God, then um, if you want to know what he looks like, then look at Jesus. If you want to know what God would say, then listen to Jesus. Read the Gospels. Read the teachings of Jesus. If you want to know what God would do in certain situations and know how God would respond and act and what His will is, then look to Jesus at what He did, what He said. Because Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. Come on, amen? The Word of the Bible said, and here's the incarnation in verse number 14, where it says that the Word was made flesh, the Word became flesh he said and dwelt among us that is the incarnation that was the birth of Jesus Paul referred to it in Galatians 4 4 and he said that when the fullness of time had come that God sent forth his son born of a woman notice that when the fullness of time had come God sent forth his son born of a woman the word became flesh God from eternity The the, the God the Son came and became flesh and was implanted in the womb of the Virgin Mary are you listening to me this was the most dramatic the most exciting the most the most fantastic miracle that God ever performed this was uh, when God implanted in the womb of a virgin the Son of God the, the, the Lord Jesus the Word and the Word was made flesh supernaturally by a miraculous birth. When this lady, this young teenage girl by the name of Mary who had never ever ever known a man never had sexual relations but was a virgin. Come on somebody. She became with child by The Holy Ghost. Come on, hallelujah. Oh, this caught the devil off guard. He didn't have any idea how God was going to get the seed into this earth to redeem fallen humanity. But God had a plan from the very foundation of the earth of how he was going to redeem mankind. (laughs) Praise God. There are those who will deny the virgin birth those who have said in the past, many of the modern, the liberals and the modernists in days gone by have talked about how that Jesus was, uh, that Mary had had relations with a, with a Roman soldier and that's blasphemy. Listen to me, I said that's blasphemy. The virgin birth is something that is real and it's something that's of vital importance and you have to believe, you have to believe, I said you have to believe in the virgin birth of Christ or you cannot be saved. How important was it that Jesus was born of a virgin? Well, it's, it's very important because, listen to me, If Jesus was not born of a virgin, then he had to have had a human father. Joseph was not Jesus' natural father. He was his foster father. We'll, we'll, maybe we'll talk about the story of Christmas. You know, you know what it is, but if Jesus had not been born of a virgin, then he would have had to have a human father. And if Jesus would have had a human father, then he would have had a fallen nature. And if Jesus would have had a fallen nature, then he could not have lived a perfect life. And if Jesus didn't live a perfect life, then he could not have been the sacrifice for our sin. And if he is not the sinless sacrifice, then he could not have been our savior. And if he could not be our savior, then we're all still lost and we're all going to hell. But the fact is he was born of a virgin and became flesh and tabernacled and dwelt among us. The blood that flowed through the veins of the Lord Jesus was pure blood, It was sinless blood. It was, oh, that's what makes the devil mad. See, he can't stand that part of it. It was pure, holy, sinless blood, never tainted by sin. Or the sin of Adam never had a touch upon the life of Jesus. Jesus said Satan has come and he's found nothing. The prince of this world, the prince of darkness has come and he's found nothing in me. In other words, there was no taint of sin in him whatsoever. I was talking on the phone the other day to someone and they were telling me of a preacher they were listening to, um, I guess on a podcast or something on the services and, and said the preacher asked the congregation the question, where did Jesus get his blood? And he answered the question by saying he got it from Mary. That's erroneous. That's not true. The Bible doesn't teach the sinlessness of Mary the Bible does not teach that she became that God made her immaculate and took away her sinful fallen nature there's nothing in the Bible that teaches that but but the fact is that the baby doesn't receive its blood from the mother the baby receives its blood from the father and so since Jesus oh I'm about to shout since Jesus had no earthly father but God was his father then the blood that flowed in the veins of Jesus didn't come from human, from 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 a, a man, a fallen man, but his blood was the blood of Almighty God, and the Scripture bears that out. Hallelujah! Come on, somebody, it was pure, it was sinless blood. Isaiah prophesied of it again, seven hundred and fifty years before the event ever took place, and Isaiah said this: Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold. this the virgin shall conceive. 750 years before Mary was even born, he already had picked out who the virgin was going to be. I'm telling you, nothing sneaks up on God. He knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. He said, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. See, Jesus was made flesh. He was born. He lived a sinful life for the purpose, the one purpose that he came. And that was so that he could go to the cross and take our sin, your sin and mine, and become the offering and the sacrifice for our sin. Ladies and gentlemen, this is is what Christmas is all about. That is why Christmas is God's idea because we were lost and we were sinful and we were fallen and we were held bound and we were under the power and the control and the dominion of Satan. But God said in way back in the Garden of Eden when he cursed the serpent, he said, I will put enmity between you and the, the, the serpent and between thy seed and her seed and you will bruise his heel but he will crush your head hallelujah <laughs> Woo. that's what he came to do 2nd Corinthians five twenty-one. the apostle Paul says for he God made him Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us now, not as, maybe I need to go on. Not as the word of faith teachers Come on preach. I may make some of you mad today. Not as Kenneth Copeland says that Jesus became a sinner and died spiritually, and took upon himself the nature of Satan, and went to hell and burned for three days and three nights in hell. And he makes, by that doctrine of, of Jesus dying spiritually, makes our sin atoned for in hell. And he even makes the statement, he's even made the statement that, that the blood of Jesus didn't atone. Your sins were paid for in hell. That is heresy. That man is preaching heresy. Oh, you're judging him. You're not supposed to do that. I have the obligation before God to judge true doctrine and false doctrine and tell you what is true and tell you what is a lie. And Jesus, Jesus did not die spiritually And they even tell you that he had to be born again in hell. That's a lie. That's not taught in the Word of God. We need to pay attention to who we're listening to. But Paul said he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin, which means he was made a sacrifice for sin or an offering for sin. He bore our sins, Peter said, in His body on the tree. He became the sin bearer on the cross. All of our sin was taken from us and laid upon Him at the cross. Not His spirit, but upon His body. And it was because of His pure, spotless life that he could pay the price and uh, satisfy the claims of justice at the cross for the sin of humanity. And he said he was made to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. See, that's what Christians, Christmas is all about. That was God's idea, that the sin bearer had to come and take our place. You know, in the Old Testament, I'm reading through the Bible again, and I'm in the book of Leviticus, and you read about those sacrifices, and some people say, well, I just don't like the book of Leviticus. Oh, if you see Christ in it, if you see Jesus in it, in every sacrifice, there's Jesus. It was the types of what he was going to do when he came. But when those priests would lay their hands upon that sacrifice, or when that Israelite would bring that trespass offering or that sin offering, that lamb or that goat to the priest to, be a, to have their sin atoned for, he would have that individual to take that goat or that lamb and to lay their hands upon the head of that animal and to confess their sins over that animal. Then the animal, it was it was, a, it was typifying the animal becoming the sin bearer of that individual. Then that animal was slain upon that altar and its blood was sprinkled around the altar and its blood well, it was, 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 was spilt to pay the price, the penalty for that individual sin so he could be temporarily forgiven. and That's what happened at the cross. That's what happened. Praise God. That's why Jesus came so that he could take my sin and your sin and the guilt and the shame and the punishment and the judgment that you deserve, that I deserve and he would go to the cross and bear that there. But praise God. You know those guys in the Old Testament they had to bring those animal sacrifices on a contingency. Continual basis. They had the day of atonement once every year. Amen. But I'm telling you what, the blood of Jesus was so much more powerful than the blood of bulls and goats. The blood sacrifices of the Old Testament animals could not put away sin. But thank God the blood of Jesus Christ has atoned for all sin forever. Forever he put away our sin, mothers sacrifice of himself. Amen. Woo! Praise God. Hallelujah. That ladies and gentlemen is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That what I just told you is what this entire book is all about. It's the story of our redemption. Christmas is the story of your redemption. Hallelujah. All things. Oh man. Give me just a few more minutes. Just now, noon. Amen. The day the Pentecostals start getting out at straight up and down 12, we need to have prayer meeting. Amen. Look at this. Verse 3. All things were made through Him. And without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness does not comprehend it or overcome it. Notice what that says. Jesus we've said is the language of heaven for he's the living word but jesus is also the light of heaven the, the 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 apostle john says here that all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that is made Who was it that created the entire universe and this earth and you and me and everything that we know of today? All of it was created by the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what John says here, that it was all created by Him. He spoke and the universe came into existence. Paul says the same thing in Colossians 1.16, for he says, for by Him... By him speaking of Jesus, because in Colossians he's talking about the preeminence of Christ and the preexistence of Christ, and he says, by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him and By Him, He went on to say, all things consist or everything's held together. I know people say today, well, God's not in control of everything. By Jesus Christ, everything is held together and consists. He created it all. He made it all. He's holding it all together. And can I tell you, He's working on His time schedule. It said that principalities, powers, things invisible, thrones and dominions, were all created by him. The, uh, the, the angelic host were created by the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The powers, uh, all the principalities and powers that are evil today because they fell with Lucifer and even Lucifer, Satan himself, is a created being. See, he wants your worship, Satan does. He wants you to give your life to him. But I'm here to let you know something today. That Satan is defeated. Hallelujah. He don't have any power over you. He don't have any power over me. He was a created being. He ain't nothing but a fallen angel. And I'm telling you, he has to do anything and everything that the Lord Jesus Christ tells him to do because all things were created by him and through him and for him. He is the creator today. Oh, I wasn't even going to get down here and do that today. But He is the light of creation. But listen, I've got to move along. Verse 4, not only is He the Creator, but notice what He said in verse 4. In Him was life. So that's why He came. Because we needed life. And in Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. The light of creation. But listen to me. Jesus is the light of conscience. Of your conscience. Verse 9 says that, That was the true light. Speaking of Jesus, that was the true light which gives light to every man. Notice that. To every man coming into the world. That means that there is some light. Now I'm going to to try to close here with this. That there is some light in every individual that comes into the world. Not a spark of divinity. Not new age. Are you listening to me? not a spark of God. You're not little gods. We're fallen humanity, but there is a spark of light to everyone who is brought into this world, who comes into this world, has some light revealed to them about God and about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I know there's atheists today or professing atheists, agnostics There are those that say, we don't believe in God, we reject God, we don't believe, but the reason that they are atheists is not because that they haven't had the light shine to them because it's somewhere down the line. The Bible says, Paul said it in Romans chapter 1, that every man, every person has an intuitive knowledge of God But just by the fact of the creation. I think Psalm 19 bears the same thing out. that, That just by looking at the creation of this world, it's evident that the, there was a creator. Are you listening? That's why that's why Proverbs or that's why Psalm 14.1 says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Well, I don't believe in God. Then you're a fool amen Jesus said the word of God says you're a fool because the creation itself is evidence the sun coming up every morning listen this thing didn't come into being by a big explosion by a big bang or through billions or trillions of years of evolution it came into being by the creator almighty God and that's evidence that he does exist. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's an intuitive knowledge. There's light given to everyone. What they do with that light then, that determines the agnostic, the atheist has rejected that light. But God has shined that light into their heart. The Bible said, John said, that when he came, Jesus came into the world to shine the light into every man. Yes. Whew. Glory to God. Not just the elect, but to every man, the light shines. Problem is, that light's still shining today. But but the light has been rejected. The light of conscience has been rejected. and People are living in darkness because of the rejection of the light. Jesus said that men... Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But He said, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Amen? That's what the Word says. So when you come, when a person comes to church and the Holy Spirit is being manifest and the Word of God is being preached and the light is being revealed, then if they're in darkness they're going to want to find a place to hide. They're not going to be comfortable. You know why? Because men love darkness, so they reject the light. They love darkness rather than light. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. This whole whole planet, this world system is lost and are in darkness. There's none good, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none who are righteous. And this entire world culture is under the sway and the control of the wicked one and are in darkness but let me tell you why Jesus came let me tell you God had the idea of Christmas so that Jesus the light of the world could come and come into this earth and shine his light on a world in darkness and bring us out of darkness and bring us into his eternal light and eternal life. Woo! Hallelujah. Jesus said I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. Let me tell you something. You can claim to follow Jesus. You can claim to know Jesus. But if you're walking in darkness and sin, you do not know Jesus Christ. Paul said that he came to deliver us from the dominion of darkness and transfer us in the kingdom of His dear Son. The light that shone brightly from eternity past, the light that gleamed in Bethlehem's manger, the light that blazed forth at the entrance of the empty tomb will continue to light the pathway toward eternity for all of those who desire to follow Jesus. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody, everybody and that's... I think we know that everybody's not saved. I think we know that everybody that attends church, not just this one, but every church, there are saved and lost people in every one. People are in spiritual death. That's why there has to be a new birth. Are you with me? He's the life. In Him, John said in verse 4, He's the light, but in Him is life. And His life was the light of men. The Bible says that we were all. All of us were dead in trespasses and sin. All of us are in that darkness. All of us are lost without hope. But the good news is that Jesus Christ has come. And the good news is that Jesus Christ can come into your heart, into my heart, and give us a brand new spiritual life because nobody has to stay or remain in that state of spiritual death. Everybody's not saved in this world. Even those that profess to know Jesus, they've got to be born again. There has to be a new birth. Isn't that what He said? Amen? He said that that, he, that there has to be a new birth. The Bible says that He has made us alive that we're dead in trespasses and sin. And so there has to be a miracle birth. I'm bringing this to a close, but listen to me. It says, but as many, verses 12 and 13, said that as many as received Him, it said that He came to His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, thank God, thank God. See, the choice is yours. The choice is mine. Everybody has the light shine to them. Everybody hears the gospel and gets to make that choice. But he says that as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name who were born. Listen to it. Who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but born of God. See the same God who sent his son to be born of a virgin can give you a brand new birth experience just as the virgin birth was a miracle birth. The new birth when you accept Christ is a miracle birth through faith in the Son of Almighty God. And this is one of the greatest promises in the entirety of the Bible that through our faith and through believing on the Lord Jesus and through receiving and accepting Jesus Christ, He gives us the right and the privilege to become sons and daughters of Almighty God were brought out of the family of Satan and brought into the family of God's Son. Hallelujah. We've got to believe in His name. Amen? Amen. See, Christmas was not an idea of Constantine, and it was not an idea of the Catholic Church. Amen? Christmas was God's Idea and he had that plan from the very beginning of time. Amen. Worship team, would you come? Hallelujah! 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 Would you bow your heads with me, Father? My, thank you for your presence, thank you for your spirit, thank you for your anointing this morning. And Lord, I'm praying today. That this message, this simple, simple message, God of the gospel will be applied to people's hearts, to people's lives today. Father, I don't know the spiritual condition of everyone here, but God, You do. My prayer today, Lord, is that nobody in this church, nobody that's a part of of abundant life, family church, would be lost, but that everybody would be saved and ready to go to heaven. But Lord, if there's those here today that don't know You, I pray deal with them and bring them to You. Help them to place their faith today in You and accept You as Lord and Saviour. God, to those that are here today that do know You, that have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the family of God, we've got something to rejoice about that we're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer under the dominion of Satan, but we've been made by the blood of Jesus, sons and daughters of God, cleansed and freed from the guilt and the shame of sin because of the finished work of Jesus and Calvary. Help us to see that and rejoice in that today. Lord, we pray that you would move in our hearts and lives this morning. God, help us, everyone, to not put so much faith and so much prominence in the glitter and the parties and all the, the stuff that's going on at Christmas. But may our faith be in The real, real meaning of Christmas. That you planned it from eternity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You, Jesus, are the language and the light and the life of heaven. And Christmas is your idea. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning as they sing um, and play this morning. I'm going to just give an altar call for everybody that wants to come, that will come. I'm trusting that everybody would want to, <laughs> not to be necessarily be saved. But if you're here and don't know Jesus, you need to be saved. Come on, let us pray with you today.